we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Friday, November the 17th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're going to do an interesting subject that I have been working on for some time. In fact, I'm kind of thinking about writing an essay or a book on it. And I kind of got the idea from Wes Reimnitz, who is my co-host on Thursdays. He gave us an email that talked about the word foolish in the Bible. And even though I'm going through the book of Proverbs, I hadn't realized that the word foolish is used more in the book of Proverbs than in any other book of the Bible. And so today, uh, what I want to do in following up what Wes has given to us is talk about what I consider to be foolish occupations. And they're foolish theologians, foolish scientists, foolish physicians, and foolish lawyers. Now, I'm not saying that every one of those is a fool, but I'm talking about that sometimes those particular occupations have people in them that are foolish. Now, the word foolish from Proverbs means that you're really talking the way Satan would talk. It's kind of like Peter. Peter was a believer in Jesus Christ. But remember when Jesus told them, I'm going to Jerusalem to die? And Peter kind of said, well, we'll protect you. Jesus looked at him and said, get thee behind me, Satan. Because what Peter was doing was getting in the way of the mission of Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. So at that point, Peter was foolish, but he still was going to go to heaven. Other people are foolish, like King Herod, who killed many children, and they will not be going to heaven. Or Judas, where Jesus says it would have been better had he never been born. So a foolish person is someone who says something that is contrary to the word of God, and yet that person still may go to heaven if he repents of that foolishness, but we really can't make that decision ahead of time. That's really up to God. In fact, children are often considered as foolish in the book of Proverbs by their father Solomon because he recognized they're born with original sin and they're in rebellion against mom and dad. That's being foolish. Yet they can come to learn of the Holy Spirit's guidance and live a life of proper sanctification. So we're talking about people who belong to these four occupations that also are considered as foolish when they talk in certain ways. The first one I want to talk about are foolish theologians. 
Now, I just so happened to have attended a seminary where we had a number of foolish theologians as part of the faculty. In fact, there were over 40 faculty members, and only five of them remained with the seminary. The rest walked out because they disagreed with the teachings of the Bible as taught by the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. They ended up starting a new denomination, and then they became part of the ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, which has really got foolish leadership at its top. In fact, they don't believe you even need to know about Jesus to be saved, that every religion has a way of salvation, and it's not necessary to believe in Jesus. When I was at the seminary, some of these foolish theologians, though they believed in Jesus dying on a cross and rising from the dead for our sins, there were those who denied that, that when he rose from the dead, they taught that he did not rise physically, but only spiritually. And therefore, if we find his bones in a grave and a cross with the insignia that Pilate wrote about it, that shouldn't bother us because Jesus did not rise physically from the dead. Then when we get into the miracles of the Bible, they were using human reason to explain the miracles so they really weren't miracles. I've talked about this before. One professor would say that Jesus went and he preached to 5,000 men, but then it was time for dinner. There was a little boy there who had some fish and bread and he gave it to Jesus. And when the little boy gave that fish and bread from under his clothes that he had been carrying to hear Jesus, this brought many other people to the idea that they too should share their lunches they had brought under their robes with other people. And that's how 5,000 people were fed. Jesus did no miracle. That's what we were taught. And remember when Jesus healed the demoniac and he put the demons into pigs that ran over a hill? We were taught that he really wasn't a demoniac. There were professors who did not believe the devil existed, but he was kind of like an epileptic and he went into a seizure and he made a lot of noise. And this scared the pigs, and they ran over the hill, and they drowned in the water. Now, I find that very interesting. Try and get a pig to drown. You can push him under the water, but he pops right back up. They're great swimmers. And so this is what was told us at the seminary 
by some of the professors, and a number of them left the seminary and joined the more liberal church, ELCA. And if you're a member of ELCA, then you are supporting teachings that the devil teaches, not what God teaches. And there are a large number of Elka people who have left that church. I think one-third of the church, it has diminished because of the false teachers, the false theologians that are there. The very fact that at their seminaries, there are sometimes more women attempting to be pastors than men shows how far off they've come because the pastoral office God has only meant for men, not for women. So those are false theologians. And that's why I do not mind when I'm doing a sermon that after the sermon, somebody comes to me with a question. And they say, you know, I think this is what you said. If that's what you mean, I think you were wrong. And so it gives me an opportunity to rethink what I said. And if I was wrong, in the next sermon, I'll apologize for it. But if I'm not wrong, I'll try and explain to the person why what we said was correct. Pastors should be very open to being, being criticized by their members because their members are not trained in theology. And remember what I've said a number of times. The goal of the pastor is not to explain the original languages, although that can be part of a sermon, but it's to explain the English. Uh, for example, take the word see, S-E-E. -E. It can have a number of meanings. If somebody asks me, did you see that? It could either mean that they're talking about my sight. Did I see that with my eyes? Or when they say, did you see that? Did you understand that? So the word see has different meanings. And that's the purpose of a pastor, to explain even the English translations. The very fact that there are hundreds of English translations shows you that there are a lot of differences in different Bibles. So that's why the first thing when you move into a new area, check out the pastor, see what he's preaching. And that can come about by listening to a sermon or a Bible study. So that's your first occupation. The second occupation I want to talk about are foolish scientists. I mean, I can hardly believe that scientists believe in evolution, or what I like to call evolution. If that isn't a teaching of the devil, I don't know what is. But we had professors at the seminary who believed in evolution. 
and that the world was millions of years old. And how did they figure that out? Well, they figured out that the natural way that diamonds come about is that a tree becomes fossilized and over time becomes hardened and can turn into a diamond. But that takes, in regular time, thousands of years. So that's why they denied seven-day creation. Even though when Adam and Eve were created, diamonds were already in the ground. God put them there. He put oil in the ground. Uh, another example that these foolish scientists give is the light from stars. Some stars are so far away that even at 186,000 miles per second, the light from the stars would take a few thousand years to reach the earth. So therefore they say, see, the universe is really, really old. And now with the discovery of DNA, scientists are recognizing that doesn't come about overnight. That must take many, many years. Whereas the DNA of each item, each animal, each fish, each plant was already there on the first day of creation. Now, we do believe there can be change uh, within a specific type of plant, but we don't believe that a strawberry can become an apple tree. We don't believe that a monkey can become a man. We don't believe that a snake can become a horse. Yet that's what evolution teaches, that everything evolved. There is absolutely no scientific evidence of that. That's why evolution continues to be called a theory. All you have to do is go back to high school and learn the distinction between a theory and a fact. Uh, for example, many of the facts I learned in science in high school are no longer true. I was taught that water boiled at 212 degrees Fahrenheit or 100 degrees centigrade. Well, guess what? That's not true. That's only true if you're at sea level. In fact, if you are on a mountain and you are cooking meals, you might have a special cookbook that changes the temperature that's way up on a mountain, not on sea level, and that water boils at a different temperature high up in the air. So you have to take a look at the evidence. What is evidence? Evidence is something you can show another human being and he'll agree with you. Yep, that's what that says. But there is no evidence for evolution. It's made up theories 
trying to account for the millions of years that would be necessary for something to evolve. No evidence at all. So we looked at foolish theologians, foolish scientists. Now, I'm not saying that those people are going to hell. Many of them probably will. But I can't tell which ones will and which ones won't. That's up to God. And that depends on how far they take their foolishness. The next occupation I want to talk about, physicians. Can you believe that physicians don't see a problem in killing a child within the womb? According to God, that is murder. There are physicians now in the United States that legally can help you commit suicide. If you desire, you pay them a certain amount of money and they'll give you a drug to help you commit suicide. Then, of course, there's physicians who are arguing that, yes, you were born female, but you might really be male or vice versa. And we're seeing the disaster of that when males are pretending to be females and running in women's races and taking all the awards from women. It's amazing that the women's movement are not talking about this. But they're not talking about this just as they're not talking in support of Israel because they think Israel is the problem and not Hamas, who went in and killed many Israelites on October the 7th. So physicians, it's really important that your physician not be one who does abortion. I had a member of my congregation who was a tremendous efficient, and he had to leave the hospital he was at because they did abortions. And he was being made fun of by nurses who were gay because he would not do an abortion. So we've looked at theologians, scientists, and physicians who are foolish. That's not all of them. There are tremendous good theologians and scientists and physicians. But now we get to the fourth one that I want to talk about today, and that is well, the big category is philosophers. The word philosophy comes from two Greek words. The first part, philio, is the word for love in the Greek. It's usually the word love that you have toward a brother. It's not agape, which is the love God has toward us. But you treat your brother differently than someone else. 
And then Sophia is wisdom. So what is philosophy? It is a love of speaking wisdom. When Paul went to the area of Greece, he spoke a message that they had never heard about, namely about a man dying on a cross and rising from the dead. They considered that a different philosophy than what they had. But who are the foolish philosophers or what I like to refer to as the foolish lawyers of our day? They are those who really believe that by means of reason, man's human reason, you can help someone become a Christian. This stands in stark contrast to the Bible, where nothing moves a person to become a Christian except the Word of God. Uh, For example, in that wonderful Bible study on the road to Emmaus, I've said this many a time, Jesus did not use reason to convince the disciples that he had to die on the cross and be raised from the dead. What did Jesus do? He used Old Testament passages. In other words, Jesus spoke to the disciples using the word of God. When I teach youth confirmation or adult confirmation, I do not use man's reason to try and convince the student to believe in Christianity as the true religion. No, there is no evidence for what Christianity truly is about. You see, there is evidence for some of what Christianity teaches but it doesn't save anybody. It doesn't even help them to be saved. And that is the law. That was the task of John the baptizer. He preached the law. He took a look at people, for example, soldiers. He said, these things God will allow you to do, like go into battle against the enemy. But these things he does not want you to do, like once you defeat the enemy, to steal plunder from them, etc. And so John the baptizer was a preacher for repentance. Now, why did he do that? Because in talking about our sins, we become more aware of the need for a savior outside of ourselves. The liturgy makes it very clear. There is nothing we can do to save ourselves. There's no good works we can follow. No, we are totally saved by the grace of God. But there are 
certain lawyers who are giving a song and dance. They say, boy, if we could get a jury listening to us in a courtroom, we could help convince them of the truth of Christianity by means of reason. No, I'm trying to find one place in the Bible that that occurred. Remember, before Paul became an apostle, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a top dog. People really looked up to him. What changed his attitude? He heard the voice of Jesus. Paul, I am the one you are persecuting. And he came to faith. Yes, that's how we bring a person to faith. Forget about human reason. Because as we said yesterday with Wes Reimnitz, the Bible is really unfair. God hires workers at all kinds of hours, and then he pays them all the same wage. That's unfair. God takes his son, who is totally innocent, and puts him on a cross. That seems unfair. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we receive faith to trust in the promises of Jesus Christ. And that comes about not by using human reason in order to get rid of obstacles in front of our faith. We can't do that. The only obstacle is unbelief. And therefore, faith is used by the Holy Spirit to create in us a trust in the promises of Jesus Christ. So yes, you can prove the law, namely that people are great sinners, but you cannot give any evidence outside of the Bible for the gospel. And that's really why be careful of foolish theologians, scientists, physicians, and lawyers, and remain instead with the Word of God. I'm Tom Baker. Be back Monday. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.